Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Cross Faith Bible Ministries, Bible Studies. We're going to continue on in the book of Matthew in chapter 26. And today we'll be covering verses 36 through 46. And the title of today's lesson is the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you go back to last week, we ended last week where, where Jesus was at the Last Supper and he had the Last Supper with his disciples but he also was talking about how he's going to be betrayed, how, how he's going to be beaten, arrested, put to death, but on the third day he's going to rise again. And he's letting his disciples know from last week's lesson that you all going to desert me. You all going to deny me. You're going to disown me, in other words. And what does Peter say? Peter says, Lord, I will never deny you. I will never disown you. And Jesus says this. Jesus says, Peter, before the night is over, before the rooster crows, actually, you have denied me three times. And Peter said, Lord, I will never do that. Even if I have to die for you, I'm willing to die for you. And all of the disciples agreed with exactly what Peter said. That was in last week's lesson. But we're going to see in today's lesson is that Jesus after the Last Supper, walks over to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And he goes to that garden for one particular reason. And that reason is to pray, to be closer to the Lord. See, Jesus always prayed. He found time to spend time with his Father. And the question is this, are we finding time in our busy life today, right, to spend time a few minutes every day? with our father, right? Because Jesus didn't only spend a few minutes. Jesus spent hours with his father in prayer. So we're going to see that today's lesson is on prayer and how important prayer is on because Jesus goes to this place, the garden of Gethsemane to pray, but he goes to this garden knowing what's fixing to happen to him, right? He knows that he's going to this garden to pray, knowing that in a few hours from now, he will be betrayed. He will be arrested. He will be flogged and beaten. And the next day he will be on trial and will be put to death because he knows he is that slain lamb, the lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, like John the Baptist said. He knows this. So the, the message of today's lesson is how important prayer is in your life. Spending time with the Father. Why? So you can be alert. So you can be awake. So you won't be caught off guard. So He can, he can discern things from you and, and show you and lead you. And that's what Jesus tells His disciples. I'm going up here to pray. You be watchful. You be alert. In other words, he's telling them in today's lesson, you need to, you need to pray because you need to know what's fixing to happen to me. See, Jesus knew what was fixing to happen to him. And the message for us is this, that in life, when, when things don't go our way, when things are rough, when things are tough, when it seems like our world is caving in, when it seems like the world has betrayed us, right? Because that's what happened to Jesus, we can still go to the Lord in prayer and he's going to lead us and guide us because he has a will, he has a plan, and he has a purpose for our life. And our job is to honor and to obey our father. Amen. So with that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 26. And we're going to start in verse 36. And this is what it said. 
Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found the disciples sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and he went away once more. And he prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So let's go back to verse 36 and kind of decipher and see what's happening in the scriptures today. Verse 36 states this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place. Now that phrase, to a place, or some of your Bibles might say into a place, this gives a specific location. So it gives, it brings significance to this location that Jesus is talking about here, right? And why is that so important? Because Jesus has a message for us. See, we need to follow Jesus' example of what he's showing us in the passages, especially in today's lesson. Why do I say that? Because he goes to this place called Gethsemane. Now, Gethsemane is a Greek word. But it comes from two Hebrew words. The word got means oil press. And the word semene, semene means oil. So if you combine these two words together, this simply means an oil press. And why is that so important? Because when an olive is under pressure and it's smashed, what comes out of it is oil. And we know that oil in scripture relates to the anointed one. And we know that Jesus is the chosen one and Jesus is the anointed one, right? So why did Jesus choose this place, especially at this particular time, what was going on in Jesus's life? Because he came here because this is where he often spent some time with the Father at this location particularly. Why? Because it means olive press. 
That represents oil of the anointing one. Jesus is the anointing one. So he went to this location to pray, to spend time with the Father, right? This is to emphasize to us right here, the importance of prayer. That's the message that Jesus is trying to tell us here, especially at this time. And why do I say that? Because Jesus knows everything. And Jesus knows what's fixing to happen to him. Jesus knows that Judas is going to be the one to betray him. Jesus knows that Judas is coming with the Roman authorities, with the Roman officials to arrest him. And he knows not only he's going to be arrested, but he's going to be flogged. He's going to be beaten to death. He's going to be put on that cross and hung on that cross for six hours. You see, we just remember the time that Jesus was hanging on that cross. But I'm going to tell you what we seem to forget, and none of us think about this. We never think about what happened before Jesus was nailed on the cross. In other words, from the time in the garden that he got arrested until right before he carries that cross to Calvary. See, he was flogged. And he was flogged, and this is a barbaric way a torturous, painful way, you can say, of punishment. Just the flogging alone should have killed Jesus. But Jesus withstood it. He knew what this was going to happen. When he goes to the garden, he knows that he's going through all this pain. He knows that he's going to get flogged. You know, some scriptures say he got flogged 39 times. Some, some, some readings that I read. I've heard it where it was more than 39 times. And what it was to be flogged is you take a whip and they had cords at the end of that whip. And at the end of the cords, they had razors, iron sharp bones like razors. So when they would, when they would whip a prisoner, in this case, Jesus, when they would whip Jesus and that cord and that bone would stick into his skin and they would pull back to whip him again. When they would pull back, that flesh would be pulled apart. And they seen some pictures of Jesus that his, his bones, his ribs, you can see the inside of his body, his ribs were showing. That's the pain that Jesus endured for the world, that he endured for you and for me, right? He knows all of this is going to happen, but yet he goes to the garden. Why? To spend time with his father, to pray. And that's the message here. The importance of prayer and how important prayer is or should be in our lives. Spending time with the Father. And look what else he says. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So we see once again that he emphasizes prayer. Why? Because he's letting us know here that prayer is the most important aspect in your life beside having a relationship with him. Amen? Verse 37. Then he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, we know that Jesus is the son of God. In other words, he's divine. He came into this world as a man, in other words, in the flesh, but he's also fully God. So we see here that this emphasizes his humanity. 
Also, when God's humanity is being emphasized in a passage, we see it here. How do I know that? Because look at the word sorrowful and trouble. That's from the flesh. That's not from the spirit. So Jesus right here is using himself as an example for humanity, as an example for us. Because what he's showing us here, that is in these critical times in our lives, you see, this was a critical time in his life because he knew what was going to happen to him. But yet he wasn't stressful. He wasn't full of anxiety. He started to be, but yet what does he do? He goes to his garden to do what? To pray. So he tells us that when we're full of stress, when we're full of anxiety in our lives, when we're feeling the pressure of life, of the world, so to speak, right? That we are to go to the Father and to spend some time with Him and to pray. Because if you pray, then you'll be able to overcome whatever's troubling you, whatever is worrying you, right? In other words, you are walking faithfully with the Father because you are relying on Him to get you through it. No matter what, He has a will and a purpose and a plan for your life. And sometimes it's, it's putting us through pain and suffering because that's what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures teach that as, as followers of Christ that we will be challenged, that we will go through difficult times, that it will not be easy. Despite what other preachers say that preach the prosperity gospel, that you're going to become rich and you're going to make all this money. and God, I mean, look, nowhere in Scripture does it say that. God is our Father and He wants to give you your desires. But if it's going to harm you in, in, in some type of way, He's not going to give you that. Because really what He wants, He wants the best for you. But really more important than that, He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to fellowship with him, because that's why you were created, was to be with him, was to fellowship with him. That's why he put Adam and Eve in the garden, was to fellowship with him, right? And we know how that turned out. Adam and Eve disobeyed. And because they disobeyed, sin and death and problems and all that we have came into this world as we know it today. But that's not the intention of our father. Our intention of our father is to fellowship with us, right? So, so he tells his disciples, especially Peter here and the sons of Zebedee, he tells them, he says, I'm grieved and I'm troubled. But look what else he says. So he's showing us right here. He's part man. That's what he's telling us here. I'm, I'm, I'm grieved, I'm troubled. So what I'm going to go do, I'm going to go to the garden and I'm going to pray. But look what else he says. He goes even deeper. Then he said to them in verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now we see a change taking place here because earlier, the passage earlier, he said, I'm grieved. I'm full of sorrow. I'm troubled, he says. But now he says, I am greatly troubled. In other words, I'm greatly overwhelmed. I'm greatly grieved. So the message here is that there's grief all around him. Even, he says, to the point of death. See, the term death here shows how critical of a time it is. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's fixing to take place. But he's going to go there to pray. Why? To submit to his Father. We know that he's the Son of God. 
He always obeys his father, right? But the message that I want you to see here is that don't make a false impression here that this was easy for him to do because it wasn't. Because yeah, he's fully God, but he's fully man. He speaks about his divinity here. And it shows the human side of his divinity because even Jesus was troubled. Even Jesus was overwhelmed to the point of death, he says, right? But you're gonna see in a second how he overcomes this. He overcomes this by trusting the Father, by living the word of the Father, by praying to the Father, by spending time and listening to the Father, right? He says, stay here, tells his disciples. Well, he tells Peter and the sons of Zebedee, stay here and keep watch with me. Now, watch means to be alert, to take notice. That's what watch means. In other words, take notice of what? Of what's happening around you, of the times. See, we, we need to be able to discern things prophetically. I mean, understand what God is up to. And the only way you can do that is in prayer, is spending time with the Father, listening to Him. Because when you listen to Him, then you will faithfully and obediently do what He says. In other words, you will walk in faith. And when you walk in faith and when you obey him, this is what's pleasing to the Father when you're willing to do his will. You see, in chapter 24 in the book of Matthew, we learn that Jesus constantly told his disciples to keep watch. Be on alert, he keeps telling them. And we see it here again. He's telling them, be watchful. Keep a lookout. Watch out. Watch for what, you say? Because we need to know, we need to understand what's fixing to take place. See, Jesus knows he's fixing to be arrested. He knows he's fixing to be flogged. He knows he's fixing to be beaten, spat upon, put to death on a cross. And he's trying to warn his disciples because his disciples, although Jesus spoke about it, they tuned them off. So he doesn't want them to be caught off guard. So he's telling them, pray. When he says, watch, keep watch, he's telling them to pray. Be on alert because you need to know the times that are ahead so you can faithfully respond in a godly manner. That's what he's telling them. See, he's telling us also that we should be doing the same thing. That we need to know. We need to see. We need to understand how to respond to things when they happen to us, when the world comes against us, when the devil throws chaos and trouble and confusion into our lives so we won't worry, so we won't stress, so we won't be grieved. That's what he's telling us here. That's the message. Now you're going to find out that in this case here, the disciples failed Jesus because they didn't pray. Because they didn't do exactly what Jesus said. They didn't keep watch, which means they didn't pray. And the question for us is this. Are you going to fail Jesus? Are you going to keep watch? Are you in constant prayer? Will you fear like his disciples? And will you scatter? Will you flee? Or will you be obedient? Will you be faithful to him, knowing that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in your life, right? No matter what chaos is going on, what trouble is going on, that you're going to stay faithful, 
that you're going to be a believer in Jesus Christ, that you're going to be obedient to our Father. Amen? Verse 39. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. So the cup that he's speaking about here is an idiom for what's about to happen. In other words, for all the suffering that's going to take place. In other words, him being arrested, him being beaten, him being flogged, him being spat on, him being turned over to the Roman government, having to carry in that cross to Calvary, laying on that cross for six hours, right? See, he knows what he's about to go through. And he knows that he's about to enter a time of intense pain and suffering. See, it's not only going to be physically, but he's fighting this spiritually as well. He knows that in a few hours, this is all going to begin to take place. This is why he says to his father, look what he says in the scripture. If it is possible, father, take this cup away from me. See, he wasn't disobeying God when he was saying this, but he knew the physical pain that he was going to endure. He knew the suffering that was going to take place. So he asked the father, there's any other way to do it, father? Right? Now we know that there's no other way. Because if there were, the father would have gave it to him. Because that's the loving father that we serve. But, but God said, no, there's no other way. So what did Jesus do? Jesus says, I'm going to endure this pain. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Because I'm going to do your will, father. How do I know that? Because look at the rest of the verse. He says, yet not as I will. In other words, not what I want, but as you want. As your will, he says. Now, Jesus is telling us here that no one likes to suffer. No one likes to experience a death, especially by crucifixion, right? But he's saying, if it's the Father's will, then I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go to that cross. I'm willing to be flogged. I'm willing to take the beating. Why? Because, Father, that is your will. Now, what about us? Right? When we face a difficult situation, how do we react? What do you do? What do you say? What is your attitude towards that situation? Are you trusting God? Are you praying? Are you talking? Are you listening to God? No matter how painful or difficult it may be. You see, it's only through the cross and only what Jesus did that we can be redeemed, that we can be saved, that we will be guided to greener pastures, so to speak. So this tells us this, that in all the world, all other religions, and I'm not speaking about Christianity, I'm speaking about other religions like Buddhism, Hinduism, Muslim, right? Whatever other religions out there, there's only one way that we can be redeemed, and that's through the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because of the terrible death that Jesus went through. And why did he do this, you say? He did this because he loves all of humanity. He loves you so much 
despite all the pain that he knew he was going to endure, he went to that cross and he did it anyway because of his love for you, but more importantly, his love for the Father. How is your love to the Father today? Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men just keep watch for me for one hour? He asked Peter. So we see that these men were sleeping. They wasn't watching. They wasn't praying. In other words, and if they're not watching, if they're not praying, that's what that means to watch, to pray. If they're not praying, then they won't understand. In other words, when the time comes when Jesus gets arrested, they're going to panic. They're going to flee. They're going to fear. Fear is going to set in. And fear is not from God. Fear is from the devil. The devil feeds off when you fear. So he's telling them here, you can't even pray for one hour. You couldn't even stay up for one hour and pray. So you're not going to understand what's fixing to take place. Verse 41 says this, watch and pray, he says, so that you will not fall into temptation. See, it's through watching and it's through praying that, that we understand prophetically the times. In other words, the situation that's going to occur in our life or that's occurring in our life right now. And we need to understand that that situation from a biblical perspective, right? See, it's not enough just to understand it, but we need to pray about it. And it's only through this discernment and prayer that we'll be able to overcome temptation and fear that the devil puts out there. See, the scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was fully tempted just like you and me. See, and when we're fully tempted and we don't have the spirit in our life, then the devil wins all the time. The devil wins out because we're not in the spirit. See, Jesus right here, speaking about his divinity, he's fully God, but he's fully man. Yet when he feels tempted and he feels overwhelmed and he feels grief full of sorrow, even to the point of death, like he said, what does he do? He's given us an example of what to do in our lives when we feel overwhelmed, when we full of anxiety, when we full of depression and maybe stress. What did he do? He went to the Father and prayed. What we need to do, we need to go to our garden of Gethsemane and pray to our Father. That's what he's telling us here, right? See, the only way to defeat the devil, the only way to defeat sorrow and grief and depression is through prayer, is spending time with the Father. Why do I say this? Because Jesus is a perfect example for us on how to defeat temptation, how to defeat sorrow, grief, all those negative things that the devil throws out in the world at us. Why do I say that? Because how did Jesus defeat temptation in the desert from Satan? He quoted scripture and he prayed, right? See, by being close and being obedient to his father. That's what the message that Jesus wants us to see, that we need to spend time with the father in prayer. So the message is this, that when we are under attack, under attack meaning through, by the devil through temptation, through stress, through, through whatever, anxiety, whatever the devil throws our way, that we need to pray, that we need to read the word of God, but we also need to listen to what the father's telling us, where he's directing us. Because look what he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So this gives us a great understanding of this passage here. He makes a great distinction between the spirit and the flesh. You see, from the standpoint of his divinity, he's all in right here. 
But he look what he says, but the flesh is weak. You see, spirituality is about this. When we bring our flesh, our humanity under the authority of the Spirit of God, this is what Jesus is demonstrating to us here. He seeks the Father. He seeks the Spirit. He lets the Spirit override the flesh. And the only way you can defeat Satan and, and temptation and anxiety and depression is through prayer and through the Father by having a relationship with Jesus through prayer. Because Jesus intercedes to us for the Father, to, to the Father. So if we pray, if He prayed, right? This is, this is the message that Jesus is trying to get us to see here. If He prayed, how much more? For us, should we pray? Should we be willing to do the will of the Father if Jesus did it? See, in other words, this is how he overcome temptation. He overcome this grief, this sorrow to the point of death. This is how you overcome fear. It's by spending time with the Father in prayer. Amen? Verse 42. He went away a second time and he prayed. My Father... If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. So we see here that he is submitting to the Father. But this is also telling us that our flesh doesn't want to do God's will. Look what he says. My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink of it, may your will be done. That's very important because it tells us that our flesh does not want to do God's will. That in order for us to do God's will, we got to be walking in the Spirit. We got to have a relationship with Jesus, with God through His Son, Jesus. That's what Jesus is speaking of here, right? See, it's only when we walk in the Spirit that we can do this. So it is not to have, it's not that we have, I guess, how can I say this? It, it's, it's not that we agree, but we must submit with God through his son Jesus by the Holy Spirit that's the message that Jesus is trying to get us to see here amen verse 43 when he came back he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy now heavy eyes or some of your Bibles might say dull eyes this just simply means a lack of perception and we know that all of the disciples every one of them they didn't act faithfully, right? They lacked faith is what they did. What do I mean by that? Let me give you an example. They were puzzled at the empty tomb, right? Jesus goes to the cross. He gets these died by crucifixion, and they put him in the tomb. But Jesus kept telling them, on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He told them this over and over and over. The Son of Man's going down to Jerusalem on Passover. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be put to death and beaten. But on the third day, he's going to rise. The disciples knew this. But yet when it happened, they were puzzled, right? Now they heard Jesus talk about this over and over and over. They didn't believe, right? It shows that they lacked faith. I mean, let's use Thomas, for example. Thomas didn't believe. Doubting Thomas, right? He doubted until he actually seen Jesus with the holes in his hands. That's when he believed. And what did Jesus tell him? Oh, Thomas, you of little faith, he says, right? 
So what this is telling us is that we need to see in a proper way. We need to have proper perception, not heavy eyes. Amen? Verse 44. So he left them. And he went away once more and he prayed a third time. And he said the same thing. So we see that he goes again to pray. See, Jesus was always spending time with the Father. The question is this. Are you spending time with the Father daily? And if you are, how much time are you spending with the Father daily? Verse 45. Then he returned to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. So let's look at that first text. He says, then he returned to his disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? So he told them this because their time of resting was over. Why do I say that? Because look at the next text in the verse. He says, the hour has come and the son of man will be delivered into the hands of sinners. Now, son of man here is speaking about the servant of humanity. In other words, the one that purchased an inheritance for us. He's speaking of himself. He's saying that the hour is here. He's saying that the hour has come where I will be betrayed. I will be delivered. I will be beaten. Eventually, I will be put to death. Now, there's two things that need to be pointed out here. The first one is this, that he was betrayed. Why? Because of fleshly desires. See, Judas agreed to 30 pieces of silver to betray his master to betray his teacher, his rabbi, his Lord, his Savior. You see what Judas did? Judas put material things, in this case money, over Jesus. And the question is this, are you putting material things over Jesus today? Secondly, what I want you to see here is that although Jesus laid down his life for all of humanity, we see that most people will reject him. Most. How do I know that? Because of what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. What Jesus is saying here is that there's two roads to the eternal kingdom of heaven. There's a broad road and a narrow road. And what he's speaking here, here is that broad road. That many is going to be on that broad road that leads to destruction, but very few is going to be in that narrow road that leads to that narrow gate. See, he says, enter the gate that is narrow, he says. But look what he goes on to say. But the other gate is wide, and it's way easy, but it leads to destruction. And those who enter on this road are many, he says. So we see that most of the world rejects Jesus. They reject the gospel. They reject the good news. And look at verse 46, our last verse for today. He says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. See, Jesus knows that it's Judas. And he knows that the time has come where he's going to be betrayed. That the Roman officials are coming to arrest him. So what's the message here? See, the message is this. It is only when we take seriously 
the Word of God, especially the prophetic Word of God, that we will have insight through prayer. And we have insight through prayer by spending time with our Father and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us. Because you see, if we do this, we're not going to be caught off guard. It doesn't matter what the devil throws our way. It doesn't matter the hard times that might be ahead of us, right? In our way. Might be a roadblock. If you pray, if you spend time with the Father, if you listen, if we do those things that are, are, are pleasing to God, then showing that you are faithfully His child, that's what you're doing when you're doing all these things, then God fights your battles. God will open doors that no man can shut. And when God shuts a door, he's going to open another one that's better for you. So no matter what you're going through today, turn it over to God. Go to your garden of Gethsemane. Spend some time with him in prayer. Daily. Several times a day. Right? See, when we faithfully respond to this, we are honoring God. We are glorifying God. We are worshiping God. You see, these disciples failed because they refused to watch. They refused, in other words, to pray. And the question is this. Are you watching today? In other words, are you praying today? Do you have prophetic insight with the Father? Or are you dedicated to prayer? Are you listening to what the Father is telling you? See, Jesus tells us to watch. Jesus tells us to be alert. Jesus tells us, do not fear. Fear only God. Don't be fooled. Jesus is telling us that we should pray. And the question is this. Are you going to be, are you going today to be obedient to Jesus? Are you going to be obedient to our Father, just like Jesus did. Jesus was the example for us. Are we willing to follow Him? Amen? And that ends our lesson for today. We'll be back next week, continuing on in Matthew 26. We appreciate all you tuning in, listening. Y'all be a blessing to somebody this week. We love you guys. God bless.